don't hit that skip button because I have huge news for you. The Rewind of the Living Dead t-shirt lives. It is here. It is available to purchase. Oh, yes, I'm not kidding. We finally got our Rewind of the Living Dead t-shirt out, and it's amazing. It is printed by the same company that prints for Cavity Colors and Fright Rags, which if you're a hardcore horror fan who buys a lot of horror t-shirts, I know I do, you know that's the very best and highest quality because we couldn't do anything less for our fans. It's an amazing full-color design designed by Jason Ragosta. It's very cool. It features a zombified myself, a zombified Damon, and it looks just like an awesome horror shirt because that's what we want because we're horror fans too. So we wanted to make a t-shirt that you could really sink your teeth into. Go to rewindofthelivingdead.bigcartel.com. Again, that's rewindofthelivingdead.bigcartel.com to get your t-shirt today. Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. Filmmaker Bryce McGuire was always fascinated by movies that took place in bodies of water, especially after seeing Jaws as a kid growing up in Florida. Even when he was swimming in his own home pool, McGuire always felt a foreboding presence in the water, and he was convinced something was lurking just underneath the surface. Inspired by his own experiences coupled with films like Poltergeist, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and The Abyss, McGuire released a four-minute short called Night Swim in 2014 that was actually filmed in musician Michelle Branch's backyard. The short received rave reviews and a producer at Atomic Monster showed it to James Wan, who purchased the rights for a feature film adaptation. The movie expanded on the original idea while focusing on a family seeking a fresh start after buying a new home, but it's not long before they all start to realize something isn't quite right with the pool in the backyard. Marco. Hello. <laughs> Marco. Ronan, Marco. Marco. There's something bad in the water. And it's after all of us. Marco. In the latest episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we're going to put on some floaties and take a dive into the deep end as we review the 2024 film Night Swim. Living Dead. I'm Damon Martin. And I'm Patrick Russell. Because <laughs> we got a lot of Russells, don't we? In, in the we uh, in the horror game, don't we, Damon? We do. This is a film starring Wyatt Russell, who is the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Uh, their, their child uh, is starring in Night Swim, our first new movie of 2024. Brand new movie, Damon. Oh, hot and fresh off the presses. We get real early in the year. Lucky Us, yes, Night Squim, released in, of course, January of 2024, stars the aforementioned Wyatt Russell, one of the many Russell children, uh, Carrie Condon as Eve, Amelie Hoferl as Izzy, and Gavin Warren as Elliot, written and directed, as you mentioned, by Bryce McGuire, based off a short by Bryce McGuire and Rob Blackhurst, Damon, and the box office is still out at this point in time. But I'm guessing it wasn't the biggest movie at the box office this past weekend. 
You know, I think we got to say this, and, and you know, credit to Blumhouse and Atomic Monster, who are Blumhouse, of course, is Jason Blum's production company. Everyone knows Blumhouse. They did Black Phone. They did the Halloween trilogy. They did The Exorcist Believer. They've done a million horror films. And then Atomic Monster is the production company of James Wan, which is, of course, the Conjuring Universe, the Insidious Universe. Um, they to, to their to to their credit. You know, taking a shot on a film like this in January, because you work closer to the film industry than I do. I'm more of just a fan. You actually work in the film industry. Um, January is where movies typically go to die. Let's just be honest. You know, December is like the last gasp of like box office when people are going around the holidays. By January, it's almost it's almost a desert. If you release a movie in January, you are basically saying we give up. Like that is that is just not a time when you typically release a movie and you expect big box office numbers. Now, it's been a little different in horror the last two years, though, because last year we got Megan, which ended up being a surprise smash hit. The year before that, we actually had Scream 5 or just Scream is what it was titled. And that was in January of 2022. So we actually have had a couple of years in a row. And so now in 2024, we are getting Night Swim. But typically speaking, January is where movies go to die. You do not put out a movie that's going to be a blockbuster that's going to earn you $100 million at the box office in January. It just doesn't happen. Or February for that. But February is not really known for that either. Not really, no. But the best part about it, Damon, what is this? This is a horror podcast. Horror movies, they're like roaches. They can live anywhere. It doesn't matter. They can live in January. I mean, Megan was a smash hit. Now, I think Megan also... It sort of had sort of a like a like a social media viral, you know, hit to it. It was almost like Barbenheimer. Like people were just in love with Megan. They just couldn't get enough of Megan. Um, Night Swim's promos to me were really elusive. You know, like I, I couldn't I couldn't avoid them. I saw a lot of movies last year, so I could not avoid the trailer for Night Swim. But I also couldn't get much out of that trailer. I was like, okay, something's going on around this pool, and uh, it must be pool based because it's called Night Swim. Um, And then, you know, here we are now, January, very lucky us. Right away, we get some new movies to talk about. And, you know, we're talking about this, this, you're right, this Blumhouse, Atomic Monster merged. Are they, have they decided on a name? Are they going to be Blumhouse, Atomic Monster? We'll talk about this a little bit more later, but they're just going there. So they're merged into one company, but they are still going to operate autonomously. I mean, they're still going to have their own production, their own ideas, but they're going to team up on certain things. And then because Blumhouse was a more established studio, Atomic yeah. Monster is going to lean on them for like television projects, video games, things that they haven't really done yet in the James Wan side. So we may see, we may see more expansions of a Conjuring comic book or maybe even a Conjuring video game or things sure. like that that there just hasn't been as much of an expansion. So I think that's really what they're going to take advantage of. But um, they're going to operate as independent of each other, meaning if you know there's a new Conjuring movie, it's going to be an Atomic Monster movie, also produced by Blumhouse. And if there's a new, when the new Black Phone 2 comes out, it's going to be a Blumhouse movie produced alongside Atomic Monster. So yeah, they're still acting as separate entities. They're just all under one roof now. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, it sounds to me just like we're going to get more resources for both of these companies, which is not a bad thing, you know, like to, to be able to share those universes. I'm sure they're even teasing the idea of crossovers. I'm sure that's coming. Is there going to be a Megan Night Swim crossover? <laughs> there might be. We don't know yet, Damon. Um, how, how much do you think we can really talk about before getting into spoilers with this particular movie? Because I well, feel like. It was such an elusive campaign that tells you very little other than Wyatt Russell, Carrie Condon, and Amelie Hoferl are in the movie, and you don't even meet Gavin Warren's character, Elliot, until you're actually in the, the movie. I think before we get to the movie itself, and this is something we can talk about with spoilers because it's been out since 2014, is the original short. The four-minute right. short called Night Swim, as I mentioned, directed also by Bryce McGuire, uh, the interesting fact that I had to throw in the intro was it was filmed in Michelle Branch's pool, which I mentioned Michelle Branch to you. You had no idea who I was talking about. How do you not know Michelle Branch? Like, I she knew was the like, name. Hey. I didn't know the music. She was everywhere to me in the, <laughs> in the late minute. 90s, early 2000s. Damon, can I remind you that on our on our year in podcast, you admitted you had never heard Chandelier by Sia until Talk That's to true. Me. That's true. <laughs> it's just, I we're these guys that don't necessarily tune into every pop song that comes out there. Yeah, I, I will admit I, I didn't do that. But yes, Michelle Branch was a very super popular uh, musician in the late 90s, early 2000s. And apparently that's where this short was filmed in her backyard in her pool, which I found fascinating. Uh, how that happened, how they ended up in Michelle Branch's backyard, I have no freaking idea. But I did want to mention the short because you and I have both written shorts and submitted them to contests. We have, you know, worked together on helping each other write a short. So while I'm certainly not as much of a filmmaker as you are, I think that's the one thing I can speak to on filmmaking because we worked pretty hard the last couple of years working on a couple of shorts with each other, helping edit and things like that and coming up with ideas and you know, a short is exactly what it sounds like. It's three to five minutes. That's it. Very simple concept. Usually not a lot of whole, a lot of whole, you know, it's not in depth. It's a five minute movie and there are really effective shorts. It, it works well in horror. It's a genre where it can work well. And we've seen some really good ones. I, when I was writing mine, I watched a ton of award-winning ones to get a better idea of what I should be trying to do. Cause you can't really, cause again, I'm, I'm a story guy. I'm a writer. So I'm yeah. like trying to inject all this plot. And you're like, hold on right. now. You might want to like slow it down because you got five minutes. There's not gonna be a whole lot of plot to put in five minutes. <laughs> um, and I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. So the original short is available. It's been out since 2014. So again, this is, and by the way, what happens in the short does hint at what happens in the movie, but it certainly doesn't give away any spoilers. So just to be clear, yeah, about it's not that, the like plot it's of the not, movie at all. Yeah. So the short is basically a woman swimming in a pool at night and she goes underwater and she's just kind of relaxing. And then she sees like this figure outside the pool and she thinks it's her boyfriend or husband. They never, you know, they never say in the, in the short, and she's like, oh, what are you doing home early? And when she pops out of the water, she's like, what are you doing home early? And there's no one there. And then it kind of happens again where you see this shadowy figure. And then the very end of the short is this woman she comes up and she sees this shadowy ghost-like figure coming towards her. And you see it briefly where this, you know, almost like a drowned um rotted corpse looking ghost-like figure comes at her and everything goes dark all the lights go out when the lights come back on the pool is empty and she's gone and that's yep. the short 
Um, and that was the inspiration for this movie. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, that's a pretty basic premise, that's kind of the point of a short. You're just trying mm-hmm. to get an effective scare in there and get the audience or the viewing audience, whoever's watching your movie, to jump a little bit. You're not trying to introduce a ton of mythology. This isn't Lord of the Rings. You're just trying to give like a short little concept. And I got to be honest. So I saw the movie hours ago and I came home and watched the short. I waited till I saw the movie first and watched the short. Got to admit, Patrick, short's pretty good. The short is pretty good. I like it. I like it. It's you know what it is. It's simple and effective. Um, I I you know not to toot my own horn, Damon, but I I shot and directed and put a short out there into the world, and it won an award at a major film festival and all that good stuff. It's seven minutes long. You know, m- most shorts um, they probably they usually hover between ten, actually around ten to thirty minutes. Believe it or not, they, festivals prefer to have them around ten to fifteen minutes. Um, but I like them even shorter personally. I like them sub ten minutes. Because for a short film, you want to set the mood. You want to set the idea of what the film can be. Uh, show people the potential for what you can put out there. I think the short for Night Swim does just that. It goes, there's a lot of potential in this world. Do you want to play in it more with us? Blumhouse and Atomic Monster said, yes, we do. Uh, the guys the guys behind this, as we mentioned before, Bryce McGuire and Rod, Rod Blackhurst, they've done a lot of shorts. I haven't seen them all, but I've seen that one. And that one gets right to the point. It doesn't try to over explain anything. There's a woman in a pool at night. That's how you start this movie. They make some very important shot selections. I think this was very cheaply made. I'm going to guess it was sub $5,000. I'm going to guess they're friends with Michelle Branch and that's <laughs> they used her pool. I'm, you know, I'm going to guess that the lights were free, that the actress was free. Um, you know, the, the, the gag, the, the ghost gag, the, the, I mean, it was a little bit of makeup that you could probably get anywhere and a wet and wet hair that was kind of like, you know, draping over the eye and it looked kind of creepy, kind of like the ring a little bit. I would, you know, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was it. And it sets the tone. And then the gag, the big gag is the lights go out while she's in the pool. And when, when the lights come back up, she's not in the pool. That gag didn't cost them a damn dime, Damon. (laughs) Yeah, everything went black. They they put a little black, you know, uh, a black space in the edit, and then they, and then they got her out of the pool, and then they turned the lights back on. They kept filming. I mean, when I watched that short, I go, "This was so easily executed." And now they got a feature film that's out there in the world. If that doesn't inspire you to go out and make the thing you want to make, go make the thing you want to make. Keep it simple, though. I mean, we talk about that for grand films, Damon. We talk that we talk about that for like you know, Alien. We talked about how simplicity actually tends to make the movie better. So if you're out there and you're thinking about making a short and you're going, oh, but it's like 38 pages. I don't know what to do. My short was two and a half. You read it. It was two and a half pages, and it came out to seven minutes because I had to you know add in dramatic pausing and you know build building and all that stuff. But the short itself was two and a half pages. So find the simple thing and execute that to the best of your ability. And all of a sudden people are taking notice. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes they don't. It's a, uh, But I think in horror, and if you listen to this podcast, I'm guessing you're into horror. And if you want to be a filmmaker and you want to do something like that, go simple, go short, go effective. Give everybody a good, solid horror gag and set the mood for what a bigger movie can be like. 
and also by the way have a like have like a feature film version of the script ready to go because someone might want to see it that usually happens too i've heard nightmare stories about guys who had a great short film it was doing great at festivals and a producer came up from a big studio and was like we love this short what's the feature film look like and they had nothing (laughs) don't don't have nothing at minimum have a great treatment that that lays out the entire long version of the film. I'm sure they had at least that, but well, it's this, a solid and, short uh, film that's super effective, and that's that that's a great that's a great example of where you can where you can make yourself shine as a horror director. And remember, this came out in 2014, and from my understanding, I believe James Wan's company didn't option it till like 2019, so it was like five years later. So this didn't happen yeah. right away. Like this was out there in the world. And a producer from Atomic Monster just happened to come across it and was like, this is cool. This is a cool idea. Let's develop this. Now, when you hear me describe that short, I think I described it pretty accurately, right? Like, it's not rocket science to it. It's pretty simple. I appreciate kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm like both complimenting and it sounds like I'm going to criticize this. I'm complimenting it because something that simple for a producer to see that and say, there's something here. Let's buy this and turn it into a feature film. Now, I appreciate the creativity it takes to see a four-minute short where really nothing, I mean, when I say nothing really happens, it does. It, it, it does happen, but again, it's just a hint of what happens. To see that and say there's something there, I appreciate that. On the flip side, though, after watching Night Swim, the concept, I say this a lot, and I know people probably get sick, get sick of me hearing me say this, the concept was better than the execution. The concept of a four-minute short of something creepy happening in the pool, we don't cr- quite know what's happening, and when you watch the short, and I would encourage you to go seek out the short, all you got to do is type in Night Swim Short on YouTube, and you'll find it. It's a, I think it's nine years old at this point. It's from 2014, but the video is nine years old. It says it on there. It says, you know, uh, night, night Swim Short Film. Watch it, and you'll understand what we're talking about. But then developing that idea into a 90-minute movie is easier than it sounds. <laughs> it's easier than it sounds because talking about Night Swim, the actual film now, and again, not talking spoilers quite yet, mm-hmm. this was a film that had a, a pretty decent setup. The idea of this film is this, and again, this isn't a spoiler. You can read this online, and this is basically in the trailer. Our lead character, Ray, played by uh little little uh little Kurt Russell, Wyatt Russell. He's a former baseball player who has now been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and he's starting to weaken and he's just not quite adapting to life knowing that baseball is over for him and he's starting to lose muscle function and things like that. So his life is changing. He's been an athlete his whole entire life and now he's starting to walk with a cane. His muscles are failing him tragic situation understandably him and his family who have been moved around their entire lives he has a wife and a daughter and a son they've been moving around their entire lives because he's a baseball player so he's kind of not really been settled in one place for very long they're looking for a new place to live and the first place they look is very much almost like an assisted living facility where it's like we got rails here and you got a specialty toilet and here's an emergency button like a call button you know i've fallen and i can't get up and 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 Ray, understandably, Wyatt Russell's character is kind of like, I kind of feel like this is just a hospital. Like, this isn't a home. I'm, I don't really want to live here. And so they continue to look, and they end up finding this house. Very nice house. Good price. And there just happens to be a really cool 
pool in the backyard. And part of the suggestion of his doctors is water therapy, because if you've ever swam in a body of water, you know that you're weightless, more or less, in a body of water. That's why astronauts train in water when they're going to go into space, because you're weightless in space. You train in water, because that's the closest thing you can feel like in, you know, zero gravity is, is training in water. And he's like, this would be a great way to work out and get my muscles and, you know, kind of keep myself healthy and get better is working out in a pool. So perfect scenario. We move in. And then weird stuff starts happening when they're swimming in the pool. That's the easiest way I can describe what happens in this movie without getting into spoilers. Now, all that sounds fine. And I like, again, you got to add in new elements to stretch out to a 90-minute movie. You got to add this family. There's got to be a dad, a mom, two kids in this pool. But ultimately, Patrick... (laughs) What you're boiling it down to, and I'm not insulting this. Let me be clear. I'm not insulting this. I'm just saying, like, what you're boiling this down to is a haunted swimming pool. Yeah. And that's a bit of a tough sell. It's a real tough sell, Damon, um, because I'm, I'm I'm watching the movie knowing full well that, like, okay, I think I'm pretty sure this movie is going to revolve around the swimming pool. How do you milk that for 90 minutes? And it's very I'm so glad they made this movie 98 minutes. It could have been 90, truth be told. Um, but like <laughs> Skinner Rink was two, like almost two and a half hours, I think. I don't know. And I go that but this does not need to be that long. So I'm, I'm giving them a lot of credit here for saying we're going to keep this short and sweet because really we just need to make this movie revolve around a swimming pool. So they give you the stages, you know, they, they learn that the swimming pool comes from a natural spring that's sort of a spoiler not really um so the, these little these little chunks of things move the story along and I'm, I'm watching this the script unfold in front of me and i go it's not that it's not airtight it's that the premise is so very thin that they have to find a way to keep it going and the way they do that in this movie without getting into anything specific at this at this moment is that they give everybody in the family a little bit of time. They do it and they do it, I think, efficiently. You know, I think I think I think they don't they don't belabor a, a storyline that's not really going to matter. They try very, I think, very studiously to keep each of the characters relevant to something that goes on in that pool. It, it's got to matter to every single character as best they can. And I think they did their damnedest. But ultimately, it's just about a haunted pool. (laughs) So it's really tricky to like up the ante because you have to keep pulling them back to the pool. Like no matter what, it's it's almost like um, what are those movies like those movies where like the guy gets stuck on a ski lift. Like yeah. the whole movie has to revolve around him being on the ski. It's a real movie, by the way. I'm not. Yeah, I just don't I, know I'm the saying, name of it. I know what you're talking about. I actually do know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, like, and there's wolves down there. You know, he's got he's got to survive. And there's all these little these all these little things that have to ratchet up. I mean, I think those movies are even harder to like to to keep it going around. But I do, I, you know, haunted pool. <laughs> I think if you're gonna give me haunted pool, and this is a PG thirteen movie, so they're only gonna go so far. And that's and by the way, we've talked about this in the past. It's okay if it's PG thirteen as long as it does something. I think this one kind of falls victim to the fact that it can't do too much with PG-13. It can't go that far with PG-13 because what would have, I, I want to say solve the problems here because I don't want to simp- oversimplify a movie, but this movie just needed some edge that it didn't have. That it, that it, it just kept going to, well, we're going to get back in that pool and kind of be nervous. 
there's good things. There's good, and and I think these are capable filmmakers. I think Bryce McGuire is very capable with 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 the tools that he's given. You know, puts the camera in the right spot. The lighting's good. The sound is good. All these little things like they all come together. But it's ultimately Damon just a haunted pool. You know, from doing this podcast for how long we've we been doing this now? I think we're on year five. Yeah, we? over yeah. 175 episodes. And it's been well documented that like we have our kind of favorite genres. It's well known. I'm a slasher fan. I love slasher films. And I've said on this podcast many times that my the one genre of horror film that I always bump up against is is haunted house films because ultimately what I always say, which is why I appreciate a movie like Insidious, which kind of twists it a little bit, or a movie like Paranormal Activity, which twisted the genre on its head a little bit, where it's not just about we moved into a house that's haunted. Because my my suggestion, my demand with every one of those ma- movies is just get out, like leave, yeah. like you know, like I understand, and you know, you can we can sit here and theorize all day about the financials. You put all your money into a house. I get it. You always try to set it up in a way oh, right. that these people are stuck there. But ultimately, it's a house. Just get out. Like that's why I always bump up against a lot of haunted house movies because that ends up being the premise of about seventy five to eighty percent of them is just we went into a house. Bad stuff is happening and we just stay and we continue to stay and we never leave. And like, I'm just like, get out. Like, that's why I always say we do our, <laughs> could you survive this horror movie? Put me in the Amityville <laughs> horror, which by the way, is a movie I enjoy. I really do it. The original Amityville horror and Margot yeah. uh, Kidder and all. I enjoy that movie, but I would survive because I would just get the fuck out. Like poltergeist is not having me. I'm gone. Like I'll stay at the hotel down the road. Yeah. I'll sleep in now, my car. Yeah, now you're now you're condensing it down. You're not even in the house anymore. You're condensing it down to where it's a pool. So like, <laughs> they, this, I mean, but this, to their credit, they and we can't get into it just yet. Maybe maybe it's time to crank over to spoilers in a second here. But um, they they do give you a reason to keep going to the pool. They do, you know? but but again, but, like I said, you're all and I'm getting tongue tied because it's. It's yeah. tough. We can't get But you see yet. what I'm saying? Like you're you're taking the haunted house concept and you're condensing it down even further. That's like saying your house isn't haunted, just the bathroom. And it's not even the main <laughs> bathroom, it's the second bathroom. So it's yeah, not the pool where you is shower. Very optional. <laughs> like it's not the where you shower and like it's just the one downstairs where guests go to take a dump when they come to your house. Okay. <laughs> you don't really need to go in there. Like you don't really need to like if you have a second bathroom Damon, in your house, you don't really Damon, need to go in there. <laughs> I'm a dad. And if, if there's one bathroom in that house that can keep me away from everybody else, damn it, I'm gonna go to that bathroom. But I could make it, I could make you a bathroom haunted a haunted but you bathroom. Get what movie I'm saying. I'm you're, a dad. Con- you're condensing it down even further, is what I'm getting at. Like you're yeah, not totally. even saying we're stuck in a house. Now we're in a pool. And I I lived I lived with relatives for a summer and they had a pool. Now is it awesome to be able to go out and have a swim after work or on the weekends or have friends over? Of course it was. But I didn't live in the pool. There were many days where I went nowhere near that pool. It rained. I just didn't feel like it. I was tired. Whatever the case may be, seven days a week, I was maybe in the pool for two of them. So you're taking the concept of a haunted house movie, you're condensing it down into a pool where you don't really. So again, that's where I start bumping up against it because, you know, if I go into a pool and weird, really freaky, supernatural seeming stuff starts to happen, guess what? I'm not going for a swim the next night and you get me back in the pool. So again, now I want to be clear when I say this, when I talk about how they're condensing it down to a pool, 
I didn't hate this movie. Like people are listening yeah. to like, God, he really hated this movie. I didn't hate this movie. Actually, it was all right. It was an all right movie. But that's kind of where I'm at is like, it's an all right movie. It's okay. It's not terrible. It's not revolutionary. It certainly didn't blow me away, but I didn't hate it. I didn't leave the theater and be like, I just wasted 98 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. That's Halloween ends. That's how I felt after that movie was over. Throw me in the shredder before you make me sit down and watch that movie again. It wasn't that, but the concept is still hard to hard to justify for a 98 minute movie because again you're ultimately talking about a haunted swimming pool and that's without spoilers we'll get in that in a second but that's really what this is and that goes back to what we always talk about when we bump up against but you know we understand in horror films characters have to make some decisions that you can't totally reconcile with we understand that you know you it's like the scream thing you run up the stairs when you should be going out the front door we all get that to a certain extent but at some point reason and logic has to kick in you know what i mean or it's just pointless it drives us crazy and you and i both know this that's how when you make a really intelligent smart well-done horror film you're like damn like you made all the right decisions and you still are fucked for lack of a better way of saying it this is a film once again where i said you're not even in a haunted house you're not even in a haunted shed you're not even a haunted bathroom you're in a haunted pool (laughs) and that is really stretching the logic and 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 the good sense of continuously going back to that place especially when all of the various family members start to experience some weird oddities with this pool and that's kind of where i again that's where the concept is kind of cool the short was really well done but then you stretch that into the 98 minute story and you gotta keep it you gotta keep going back to that pool it starts to lose its effectiveness because you're like why why would you do it why would you go there <laughs> and, and and again we're about to get into why they kept going there because they actually have a device for that like again i think it's a fairly tight script and i'm with you i don't hate this movie at all it's just I think what I can the best I can say right now before we get into spoilers is at PG-13, it wasn't enough. Yeah. That's the problem. Their ideas were there and they were completely available. I saw what they were up to um, and I did I did bump up against some of the writing, but that's in spoiler stuff, so I won't go there yet. Um, but yeah, it's because PG-13, you just couldn't deliver that extra edge that would keep me on the hook personally you know maybe this might be terrifying to like you know my kids <laughs> they might be like that, that movie's too scary it just doesn't go hard enough so what you have left is like the story the story has to keep you going and the story is we can't wait to keep going back in that pool <laughs> like that's not that's not enough that's not enough in this instance yeah so with that being said patrick we got to get into spoilers because it's the only way we can really dig into the the, the meat and, and and potatoes of this movie um, so if you haven't seen Night Swim, it's available in theaters now. It just released days ago. Go check it out. And as I, say, I always say, whether we love it or we hate it, always encourage you to go watch it because your opinion may not be our opinion. Uh, the only thing I can say about my opinion is, in all honesty, it's not terrible. It really isn't. Like for no. my the way, all the ways I bump up against the issue of a haunted pool, it's not a terrible. It's certainly not a bad acted movie. Certainly not a bad directed movie. It's just it's a hard sell for a 98 minute movie to be centered around a haunted pool. And 
while people are going to, if people have seen this, they're like, well, are you being, are, we'll get into what the pool is in spoilers, but uh, yeah, I can, I want to be clear. Like, I didn't hate that. This is just, I don't, we don't rate our movies on a scale, but to give this like, a, a, to give it to our audience as a, as something they can better understand. If this was an A through F grading system, this film's kind of a C. It's not bad. Yeah. You're not failing. It's not. That's I'm a passing not grade. A, yeah. But you're not getting an A or a B. You're not getting a movie that I'm like, man, I can't wait to see this again. Or I'm, this was a good enough film that I'd want to see again. I saw it once. That's good enough for me. Um, so, yeah, it's not it's not terrible. It's just not great. It's just it's there. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into spoilers. So, again, if you haven't seen this before, Warren, we are now going to get into spoilers. Um, so Patrick, let's, let, let me let you get into the, to the nitty gritty of this pool and why they keep going back to it. So Damon, what they keep, what, what they find out is when they, when they're first cleaning the pool out, something kind of weird happens. Like, uh, Ray is the dad played by white Russell, as we said. Um, and, uh, he cuts his hand and then they, they call, they call a pool guy. Cause they're like, all right, clearly we're outmatched here. This pool has, has won the day. They call a pool guy and the pool guy informs them, oh, your pool is actually connected to a natural hot spring. That's a super rare thing, but there's, you know, it's a, it's a really great thing because ultimately it's warm, clean water that you're really going to like, and it's going to be naturally good for you. And it's supposed to be great for the bones. So ultimately they, they're like, well, this is why we live here now, because we're going to be able to uh, do water PT and it's all it's all gravy. That cut hand, that's a very important little detail, Damon, right? That's a very important moment because um, then they get back in the pool after the pool has been refurbished a little bit. And that big, nasty cut that came on uh, that 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 Ray had on his hand is instantly healed. He opens his bloody, dirty little bandage and he's got a completely healed hand and something just strikes him funny like huh i wonder i just got a diagnosis that my 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 ms is not doing too well um he gets in that pool he swims around for a good long time doing a bunch of pt and then he goes back to the doctor and we're like you have made some sort of miraculous recovery damon we've got a magical pool on our hands we have a magic pool it's the fountain of youth it's a fountain of youth and and Honestly, here's where I thought the story was going to go. What I thought we were going to get was Ray was going to become obsessed with the pool because it's making him better and stronger. He's dreaming of going back to the big leagues and playing baseball one day. He wants he he would love, you know, he's basically been, been given a retirement sentence with that with that diagnosis of MS that, hey, you're never going to play the big leagues again. There's a big there's there's a, a motif there. Don't look back. Don't look back on your baseball career because it's done. This is giving him the chance. So I thought this guy's going to kind of become obsessed with this pool because it's it makes him bigger and stronger and faster. And the movie's going to kind of ramp up to the point where, you know, he he's obsessed and he's willing to sacrifice anything to keep it. It kind of tries to do that. But where it makes the mistake, Damon, is then we get a whole lot of his wife's backstory. And then we get a pretty good amount of his daughter Izzy's story and a decent amount of Elliot's story. And in 98 minutes, you're sharing a lot of stories, Damon. Now, I get, again, this is pretty airtight. They all made sense. It all coalesced and made sense when it finally came together, why each little story mattered. But the thing that I think was drawing us in and would have made sense to draw us in was Ray's story. 
And I think you could have shaved some of those other stories back a little bit to make that story pop so that when the turn did happen, because it does, because Damon, this pool isn't just magical. It's evil. <laughs> it demands a sacrifice for the thing you want, which we know what Ray wants. He wants to go back to the big leagues. It will demand a sacrifice. And the longer you take to give it that sacrifice, the more malevolent it will get. Well, okay. But by the time we got to that point, we were spread so thin that it felt weird that Ray had made this like dramatic turn and Ray's progress, which I thought, you know, I thought he was going to get really strong. Like they even had a baseball scene where he knocked it out of the park. And I was like, Oh wow. He's going to become like a, like almost like a superhuman or something like something. It never escalated enough. Yeah. So his turn wasn't dramatic. Everybody else's turn played a role, but it was so small that it didn't have a great payoff. So you're just kind of left with, okay, it all happened. Seek, you know, magical, magical pool. <laughs> Every, everyone in the family has their own odd experience with the pool, yet somehow they don't really ever talk about it and they don't really ever understand what each other's going through. Now, Ray, I get because he's getting stronger. He's feeling better being in the pool. So he's getting a different experience. But then his kids, they go in and, and Elliot, the son, gets sucked into the pool by one of the dead creatures that lives in the water. And then Izzy is playing Marco Polo with her boyfriend, and he does the fish out of water thing, just trying to play a joke on her. And then she continues to hear Polo, and she knows something else is in there. And then she sees this dead creature, whatever ghost-like figure, underneath the water. And so she gets freaked out. They all experience something weird with this pool, and yet they're still there. They're still hanging around. They're doing a pool party. Like it's just, it's just kind of wild. You know what I mean? So, so all these characters are having this kind of weird, odd moment with the pool. Yet they don't really acknowledge it too much, and then they just continuously keep going back to it. And like you said, it's just like I said, like you're finding excuses to get back in the pool. Like they have a pool party. And that's where things really go haywire. Because at that point, Izzy's had her bad experience. Elliot's had his bad experience. Ray is still all about this pool. Ray is like gung-ho about this pool. He's also now become like a folk hero to his son's baseball team because he was an actual major league baseball player and he hit that ball out of the park. The whole team was so impressed. They come over and the coach's son is like so totally enamored with Ray. And Ray's like, let's get in the pool and play one of the pool games where you put the kid on your shoulders and you kind of like joust and the, the loser is the one who falls over. And Ray ends up grabbing this kid's by the leg and like going underwater, basically drowning this kid and drowning himself simultaneously. Thankfully the kid is okay. They get him out of the pool. Ray gets out of the pool. He passes out. They figure it's a, they, once again, they make it a, a symptom of his MS, his nerves shot down. He kind of clamped up kid got in danger. The parents of the other kids are like, we're not going to press charges, but stay away from us again. Very freaky, very creepy moment. But even that doesn't totally convince them that something is off here. Like something is, and they, they do it with the excuse of it's his MS, which again, everything else has been going on. It kind of rolls back around to the pool. And then eventually they, the wife is the one who finally starts to figure out there's something sinister about the pool, which it's still sounds funny to say that it it's sounds funny. <laughs> she seeks out the former owner of the house. Cause she finds out from the realtor, which by the way, I'm not a realty expert, but if you're a realtor, you have to disclose people who have died or, have, you know, the crimes that have been carried out in this house. Yeah. 
they don't do that. So that's another plot hole that kind of escapes from you because there was a family that lived here before. We get this in the opening of the movie. There was a family that lived here before. The little girl goes in the pool. She goes missing. And then that's how the movie kicks off. The realtor finally comes clean that a, a girl lived here and she just went missing. And the family moved out. They sold the home and they moved out. Again, there's a crime there. We'd assume there would be like a kidnapping or something, and they just never acknowledge it until finally the wife is like, hey, was there anything weird about this house? And then the realtor's like, well, I didn't tell you, but, you know, here you go. Yeah. Um, so she seeks out the woman who used to live here. And when we see the woman who used to live here, uh, she meets her, and the woman is just over the moon talking about her son, who we briefly hear about in the first part of the movie, he's sick. We know that part because the little girl we meet in the first part of the movie, Rebecca, goes to see her brother and she's like in a hospice bed. We can see him like in a hospital bed, but in the house. She this, she meets the woman and this woman's raving about her son. Her son's the ambassador to the Sudan. He's successful. He lives in Washington. She lives in a big, nice mansion. Everything's great. But she doesn't even acknowledge that she had a daughter doesn't acknowledge rebecca was ever around no pictures of her nothing like she never existed and when ray's wife finally starts questioning like what about your daughter and then that's where we get the whole big reveal that the water giveth but the water also taketh away the water will will make one of you give you all your wildest dreams give you everything you ever wanted but there's also going to be a sacrifice. And so in this case, Ray is getting everything he's ever wanted. He's getting his career back. He's getting his health back. But that means one of you, one of you three is going bye-bye. That concept is a little weak to me, Patrick. Like that whole thing, like where I thought it was going, you talk about where you thought it was going, where I thought it was going was almost an Indiana Jones and the last crusade where the water makes you better, but then it makes you sick. Was what I mm-hmm. thought was going to happen. Yeah, it's going to so. you know, the, the water give it, the water take it away. Meaning Ray's going to feel strong, and then suddenly everything that was wrong just gets exponentially worse because of the water. Like we're going to make you healthy for a second, and then you're done. You know, I thought that was where we were going, and it didn't really go in that direction. But the whole idea that the water's evil. But it can heal you, It w- and it worked for this guy. This guy became healthy again. He was sick. He became healthy, and his mother basically more or less says she sacrificed her daughter to save her son, but she's still infected by the water as well. It's a really weird like plot twist. Yeah, yeah it's convoluted. It's it's <laughs> kind of a weird thing. Like It just seems like, what? like, what is happening? Mom is still infected? Like, I mean, we're talking now at this point 30 years later. Yeah. 30 years later, the pool still has her and she keeps this little like fountain there. Again, it's airtight. Like what they're presenting to us, they're making sure they cover all their bases. Like she has to keep a little fountain right there in the house with her. No pool anywhere in this big mansion, but a little puddle of water to, I guess, feed the water. I I don't (laughs) know. It's that's the thing is like this. This uh, mythology is really like it's it's weird. And and. I again, I go back to what my solution would have been, which is spend less time with the family and really focus on Ray and then make it a discovery of the full mythology. So that way, at least the, that mythology like makes more sense. Not that it was confusing. I guess it just wasn't impactful. It just felt convenient that like the mom of the, of little Rebecca, who, who was sacrificed back in 92, 
that Rebecca as Rebecca's mom is still somehow infected by all this. I don't like, I don't know. I didn't, it didn't like, I don't get that. Like, I, I don't get why that has to happen. Like, didn't the pool take Rebecca and isn't the pool good now? <sighs> and then what's the rule there? And then now Rebecca's one of these entities that is haunting everyone, right? We get one that's haunting um, uh, Eve, the wife, one that's haunting Izzy, and one that's haunting Elliot. And I think the one that's haunting Elliot is Rebecca. Rebecca. And I was saying, and I don't even know if it's really haunting him because at the end of the movie, when Eve has to go rescue Elliot, this is what <laughs> I'm getting at. <laughs> Rebecca's the one who like leads them to the surface. So she's not really evil. It's, it's really weird. I wonder, and that's what I wondered. I go, all the other spirits in the pool are clearly malevolent. Like they don't want to be nice. Why did Rebecca want to be nice? Like she was as wronged as any of the other spirits. It didn't make sense why she, because she was a child and she was innocent, I guess. But also, it's it's weird. I know I'm picking this apart and people listen to this and be like, dude, you're thinking you're overthinking this way too much. But they do make a point to say this at the beginning when the pool guy comes and he says, you're very lucky you have a natural spring pool. And the guy actually says, there's a lot of these around this area because there's a natural spring around here. And a lot of these homes around here had these natural spring. He says that. Like, that's like, he says, like, very poignantly, oh, wow, you're one of the people who had, like, I know a lot of people around here had these. So shouldn't this evil pool be, like, all over the neighborhood? Wouldn't there be, like, right. if they're all, if it's all coming from the same spring, wouldn't there be, like, nine evil pools? Why is there only one? Like, because they make a point of saying it. They make a point of saying, you're not the only one. They say, oh, there's a lot of these natural spring pools in this neighborhood. You're lucky you got one of them. So shouldn't if they're all coming from the same bad water, shouldn't they all have haunted pools? Like, it's just little things like that. Little plot yeah. devices that bug me because I'm like, hold on now. If this right. is not the only one and they're all coming from the same source. Wouldn't the uh, like? Would your next door neighbor have the evil pool, and the guy down the street have the evil pool, and the you know the woman up the street? Wouldn't she have the evil pool? It it was such a throwaway line, but I noticed it, and I'm like, why put that in there? Why mention yeah. that? Because then you're basically saying there's other. Are you setting up a sequel for Night Swim Two, Night Swimming, and <laughs> you're gonna have the next door neighbor has the haunted pool? Like, is that what you're gonna play the REM song, Night Swimming, and that's where you're gonna go? I don't know. It's just. It was just a weird line to throw in there, and basically it's taking away that this pool is special. There's a lot of these pools, apparently. It's just, I don't know, again, it's a weird little plot, little, little plot device that I didn't really understand putting in there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it got a little convoluted, and, but it was all, like, again, it was all there. It just, it didn't pay off the way it needed to. I think it, I think it needed to really escalate with Ray specifically, and it just, it, it peels away from him too much to keep that impact going, you know, like if you dare make this movie longer, then you need to make it more about Ray and, and you need to, you need to, you need to make the keep raising the stakes for Ray. So he has to make this crazy choice because it does come down to now he's just possessed by the pool and that does not sell well. It just doesn't. I don't know. And then by the way, how do you cure that possession? Damon, you just beat the shit out of your dad with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, That's all it took. That's literally all it took to stop him from sacrificing them was they just beat him with a bat. And uh, also, why would that work? And also to that point, if the if the pool possessed Ray and it turned him into a malevolent force, 
wouldn't that have also happened to the guy who got saved because her son who became an ambassador and became a successful politician and he made huge strides in saving Sudan or whatever she said, like the little intro we meet the woman. Yeah. If he was the one who got saved by the pool and the daughter got sacrificed, wouldn't he also be infected by these malevolent forces? Because Ray wigs out like Ray, like starts going after his daughter and like stalking her around the house and shit. And I'm like, hold on. Like, so it's an like now he's infected, and that's where I kept going back to the idea of like the the pool give it the pool take it away. It's going to make him healthy, and then it's going to start tearing body parts away. Like it's going to take it's going to give him everything he's ever wanted, but then it's going to slowly start to g- degenerate him again as well. That's where I thought it was going. It never really goes there. And then as you said, he continues to be bad, stalking his daughter, trying to hurt her, and then she just bashes him in the leg with a baseball bat and smacks him a couple times with. It. He's like, hold on, and he. Li- Literally at one point, Ray goes, okay, I'm me again. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he goes, I'm me. Don't worry, I'm me again. Like, oh, shit. That's line, I'm me again. Yeah. (laughs) I just, it was like. It's it's not, it just doesn't pay off, Damon. Like, it just doesn't have that oomph that you need. So if you ever start becoming a malevolent force, Patrick, I'm just going to smack you with a baseball bat, and apparently you'll click right back to normal. That's all it takes. Hey, a new take on possession. You know, we had, we had to when evil lurks. You got to some some really weird like alchemy and and talk to me. Well, I don't know. <laughs> we couldn't really figure that one out. But like, yeah, just beat me with a bat. We'll be good. That'll be good. If you're if you're ever haunted by a pool, just remember <laughs> a baseball bat is the solution. Yeah, it's just again little weird things like that just bug me and and as i said and it all boils down to what i said earlier not to repeat myself but now that we're in spoilers elliot has a freaky occurrence he gets grabbed to the pool filter in a very it like you know we all float down here moment izzy has the moment where she gets creeped out by some thing in the bottom of the pool when the lights go out eve has a situation like that their cat goes missing like all this weird stuff keeps happening and yet they keep going back in the freaking pool. And I'm just like, at some point, drain the pool and get the fuck out. Like, it just, again, you're really limiting yourself when you're just taking a haunted house story, more or less, because that's really what this boils down to. I and mean, you can add in the whole, the pool gives one person whatever they want to take sure. something away. It needs a sacrifice. You want to add those layers in. Okay, fine. But ultimately, this is a haunted house story in a pool. And that's really right. limiting as far as where you can go and how far you can go. Um, this isn't water world where you're living on a surface where there's <laughs> nothing but water and the whole water is infected. Ain't that you're living. In I, a, this would have made water world more interesting for sure. Yeah, yeah. But you're living in a pool. You're living in a house with a pool in the backyard. And somehow you just keep going back to the freaking pool. And I just like I said, it, you're really just limiting yourself. Like I said, the short is great. The movie's not terrible. Again, to be clear. But it's just not great. It's just there's just too many plot holes and conveniences and just driving us back to that pool that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And now it's bugging me even more that like the pool almost didn't immediately glamour him. It kind you know, it's it kind of slowly glamoured uh, Ray. But if like if it immediately turned him like it would have made it much easier because we would now we like he would become the villain of the movie. and We would have saw his intentions like all along, like how he's almost like the shining, almost like the shining where he right. kind of like, you know, he's like you see him slowly deteriorate. Like you kind of know something's off and he just continues to get worse and worse. 
Right. Yeah. And it doesn't do that. Like it just sort of goes from zero to 60. Like, like all of a sudden he's just fucking evil. And it's like, he's evil for five minutes. You hit him with a bat and he's not evil anymore. And I was like, well, that's weird. Yeah. It was really, uh, it's just odd choices. Yeah. Odd choices. And again, like I said, it's just, it's not terrible, but if you really start picking at the plot, it's, it's like, uh, you know, you're peeling back layers and you start to realize that there's not, this is a croissant. You pull it apart pretty quickly. Um, (laughs) You know, you're not you're not you're not peeling about a lot of layers back on this one. Uh, Patrick, let's get into categories. Let's kick things off as we do each and every week on this show. We talk about best performance. I know people probably get sick of me saying this, but in all honesty, all the, there were four main performances. The, the you know, right. Russell, the mom, the dad, and the two kids. All the performances were solid, even the kids. And now, to be fair, the the, the, the daughter in the movie played by um, Amelie, uh, Ho, Ho, what is it? Ho, Hoferly? Ho, Hoferl? Hofer, Hoferly. I think it's Hoferly. Hoferly. There Hoferly. you go. That sounds right. Um, she's older. She's like, you know, she's a teenager. So she's probably, I would say the actress is probably really like 21 or something. Um, but Gavin Warren, who played Elliot, is younger. And we always say your younger actors can make or break a movie. Younger actors, this movie did fine. So just to throw it out there, like everybody did great. But who is your best performance in Night Swim? My best performance goes to Carrie Condon as Eve, the wife. Um, She is a pretty solid actor. She's in a lot of great stuff. She was great in Banshees of Inishern, which came out, uh, I think, two years ago. Last Um, Last year. It was last year. Was it last year? Yeah, it was. The, it was in. Well, I guess it technically came out twenty twenty two, and it was in the Oscar for twenty twenty three. That's what it was. So okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, she's just a great actor, and and she's she does a great job in this movie. I think you know of of a movie where everyone's doing well, she did best, and it was sort of like, oh, cool. Like, are we going down her story? Not enough. Not really. You know, it it almost like her. It's almost like her story was there as um like purely as exposition. Like her story was there to make sure that you knew she would be a great swimmer later on and all that. Like it it, it was just kind of that's why she moved through the movie so well. But when you have an actor at that level, it is nice. I mean, that that that's the best I can say, Damon, is she did a great job. <laughs> yeah, her character was, you know, I know we said this with we were talking about Ripley in the Alien series. Her her character was the smartest one in the room. She's the one who started to figure out something was going on yeah. here. She's the one who led the investigation. She's the one who figured out what happened to this place before they bought it. I would have immediately filed a lawsuit against the realtor and gotten the hell out of there, but that's me. Um, mm. But yeah, like she's the one who starts to figure out something's off here. And, and she's the one who does the investigation. She's the one desperate to save her children, even when her husband turns evil for five minutes. So yeah, she's she's great, and Carrie Condon in general is a good actor. I mean, she's a really really good actor. The yeah. band she's in a Sharon, if you haven't seen, it's a great film. Uh, really she's good. great in it. Yeah, she's she's excellent. So for me, I like White Russell a lot. Like I was, I, you know, he was in uh, the Falcon, the Winter Soldier. He played the U.S. agent. Played Captain America very briefly. Um, I really like White Russell. I think he's a good actor. Um, I know you know he's got the whole Nepo baby thing going on because he's literally the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. So he had a couple, he was, he was, you know, he may have been on third base. He he didn't exactly hit a home run. He was already on third base there, but he's a good actor. He is a good actor. I really do enjoy White Russell, but I'm not giving him the award because even though he was fine, I I didn't, he didn't really necessarily stand out for me in this film. The one who did, and, and I want to give special credit here because this is the one that I feel like watching this movie, this is the one actor in this movie. And to be fair, Carrie Condon's already done great things. This is the actor who I'm like, this is the one who I think is going to go on to do great things. And that is Amelie 
I'm completely Ho- butchering it. <laughs> Amelie Hoferly, um, who yeah. played the daughter Izzy. I thought she was great. She had real presence on screen. She had great scare moments where she had to react to being terrified in the pool. That Marco Polo scene, which you see in the trailer, which plays out pretty well in the in the film. I mean, they show a lot of it in the trailer. You just get a bit more in the film. She does great in that. She's even though I criticize this film for these people keep going back to the pool, like after she has her scary experience, she is very trepidatious about going back to the pool at that point. Now she still does, but she's still like, I'm going to put my feet in, but I'm not going to quite want to jump in. (laughs) That scene bugged the fuck out of me. I was like, why are her feet even in there? She knew what she saw. And like, she she was still kind of hanging out around the pool. I'd be like, no, I'm not even hanging out here. I thought her action beats were solid when she was getting chased by her father around the house. I thought that was solid. And what I got a sense from her performance from Amelie uh, Hoferly's performance was a little bit of the final girl vibes, a little bit of the, yeah, you know, that, bit. that like a little bit of that. Like I could see her sticking around horror and playing, you know, I don't know if they're ever going to make another screen movie judging by what's going on right now. Probably not, but like that kind of a movie, like I could see her getting a role in that, you know, teen slasher. Talk she to had me that sequel. Kind of, she had that kind of presence about her. Like immediately I, I saw her and I was like, okay, I'm really looking forward to seeing what else she does with her career. So I thought she did a great job and she kind of stood out for me in a film. That's not a slasher. It's not at all, but just like when I watched the haunting of Hill house, which is a vastly better experience. If you've ever seen that series on Netflix, immediately I was like, Ooh, I saw like three people. I was like, I want to see what they do next. And they've all gone on to do great things from that show. Amelie Hoferly was the actor in this movie that I was least familiar with because I had never seen her in anything. And I knew Wyatt Russell was. I knew who Carrie Connor was. I wasn't as familiar with Gavin Warren who played Elliot. But I saw her and I was like, okay, she's got something. I want to see what she does next. Yeah, I agree. I think I think she's if she's smart, she sticks around horror for a while because horror is just fun. It is. And she, like I said, that's where I was impressed. She's got that presence for horror. Like that's not yes. easy to do. We've heard, we've talked about this on the show before Two the two hardest things uh, that a lot of actors, good actors, Oscar winning actors talk about two things that are hardest to do as an actor being funny and being scared. Mm-hmm. Cause it's all about timing. It's all about timing. And some actors flat out will tell you, I cannot do comedy cause I do not have the timing for it. And some actors will tell you, I can't do scared because I don't have the timing for it. I just can't react the right way. It's tough. You know what I mean? It is a tough job to do that. So I thought she did a great job. And again, everyone, even, you know, Gavin Warren, who played Elliot, I thought they all did a great job. But her presence was like, okay, let's see her in like, you know, let's see what she does in, you know, Totally Killer 2 or, as you said, yeah. Talk to Me or whatever. You know, I'd like to see what she could do in another horror film. Fully agree. Let's talk now in our new category for 2024. We are no longer necessarily always doing favorite character. We are now doing a category that I'm officially dubbing today. I teased this before the show. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. This is the Ken Foray Banana Hammock MVP Award. Now, going all the way back to like episode six of our podcast several years ago, we did a review for the movie From Beyond, which is an iconic horror film from the great Stuart Gordon starring the queen, Barbara Crampton, and possibly one of the kings of horror, Ken Foray. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen From Beyond, go see it. It's a great movie. We both enjoyed it, reviewed it, gave it a great review. Ken Foray at one point during the movie runs down to the basement wearing nothing but basically a thong bikini. 
and it is wildly dis- it is wildly distracting that he's just running around <laughs> with nothing but thong underwear on and he's just like in this pool of water running around with nothing but like really really tidy whiteies except they're not white they're they're thong bikinis and so I've just gone ahead and named this award the Ken Ferre Banana Hammock MVP Award. <laughs> so Patrick, who is your choice for the first Ken Ferre Banana Hammock MVP Award? And let's be clear, Ken Ferre is the ultimate MVP. I mean, yeah. honestly, it's it's very apropos to name the most valuable player after Ken Ferre because when he's in a movie, he fucking delivers, right? But uh, I created the MVP category because sometimes it's tougher to pick a favorite character. Night Swim is a great example. There's not a lot of characters to pick from. It's really just a family of four. So, you know, it's favorite character maybe sometimes is a stretch. So sometimes for MVP, you can pick another person who worked on the film, and that's exactly what I did today. My MVP goes to whoever the sound design department was. I actually tried to look them up and there was a lot of different people. I didn't want to not credit somebody, but they didn't have a specific sound designer uh, listed where I looked it up. But the sound design of this film is certainly one of the MVPs because, Damon, in a movie about a haunted pool, you got to keep the dread going somehow. The sound in in this film was very good. And it kind of kept creeping up on you. The sound of the water flowing, the sound of like splashing as someone exits a pool, the sound of someone whispering Marco Polo, like all these little things to add to the dread of this movie. When this, when the music drops out, you know, that when the music comes back, when the screams are, you know, there, there are some ghouls in this movie. They don't show them nearly enough to even garner their own category, but you know, the sounds that they make and the way that they talk all of that led to a movie that did indeed have dread in it. It was it the most dreadful movie. No, but the sound design made sure the dread stayed in this movie. In particular, I give credit for the underwater scenes because that's tough to do because in, a, right. in underwater, you're not dealing with a lot of sound at all. Like you've got to deal with just water sounds like the kicking and the splat, you know, like underwater movement. You're not even really, yeah. you can't talk, you know, so you're not really dealing. So you really have to be creative with making it when people are moving around or, or swimming, you have to be very creative. So it doesn't just go to a dead silent uh, sound or no sound for that matter. So yeah, I, I agree. I think that was a really strong point of the movie and tough to do. Cause I've heard a lot of stories um, watching behind the scenes and things like that. That shooting in water is a pain in the ass. Don't um, I know it over and I over one again, scene in my <laughs> short Damon, <laughs> one scene in my short that is in the ocean it was the hard it was easily the hardest scene to shoot by far yeah so shooting in water is a pain in the ass so the fact that they basically shot 90 percent of this movie in water says a lot about both the cinematographer and the sound design and i thought yeah i agree it was a great job for me my ken for a banana hammock mvp of this movie i'm giving it to two people in particular and we kind of mentioned this earlier but i'm giving my mvp award to jason blum and James Wan, the co-presidents of Blumhouse Pictures and Atomic Monster. And here's why. Even though you can kind of tell I have issues with with Night Swim. It's not a bad movie. Certainly, I'm not saying it's a great movie. But what I love, and these two are now teamed up under one roof together, creating horror, primarily. James Wan, of course, just directed Aquaman's sequel, and Blumhouse has produced a lot of stuff outside of horror, but primarily they are known as horror production studios that they took a chance on a movie like night swim they saw a four minute short which was solid 
I really enjoyed it, but didn't give you a whole lot. As I said, it's just literally a woman in a pool. Creepy thing happens and she disappears. That's it. Like, it's not in depth. It's a four minute short. They saw that a producer of the Tommy Monster saw that and said, this is something. Took it to James Wan. James Wan saw something. I'm going to buy the rights to this. Bought the rights to this. Teams up with Jason Blum. Jason Blum, who seems to have a really good eye on talent, although I wish he would have done more with Halloween Ends says, I see something here. Let's co-produce this movie. And now it's getting a wide release in January on theaters across the nation. I don't know that it's going to kill the box office. Probably won't. And that's fine because I doubt this was a huge budget for a movie. But they took a chance. And that's what we need in horror. Just like the key executive, whoever it was at A24 that saw Talk to Me, which was not produced by A24, somebody at A24, which is an incredible studio, saw Talk to Me and said, I like that. Let's buy that. And then it blew up and became one of their biggest movies ever. It was our number one film of 2023. That they saw something. Whether I loved Night Swim or didn't like Night Swim is irrelevant when I give this MVP category to these two guys. Because they're doing the Lord's work in the horror community by giving Bryce McGuire and other filmmakers like Akila Cooper, who we've praised on this show, and other filmmakers, writers, whatever, a chance to make these movies. They're not all going to be hits. They're not all going to end up being Black Phone or even Megan. But the fact that they saw something in Night Swim and said, let's make this movie. We need that in horror. And these mm-hmm. two guys now combined together, it's like super friends or like the, the power twins or whatever. Combined <laughs> together, they're going to have even more influence to say, we want this and we're going to put it out. May not be the most revolutionary horror film ever. May not land with everybody, but we're going to take a shot at this and we're going to give it to you. And I appreciate that because in horror more is better. Not everything's going to hit, but more is better because then occasionally you will get a Megan, which was a really creative, interesting, different idea. And it landed with audiences. Black phone. It was a short story by Joe Hill. The short story. What the book, what the, it was a short story. They turned that into a really good movie. Now they're making a sequel, which I'm fascinated to see how they're going to go with that. The fact that they're doing that, the fact that when the Halloween franchise came up and they said, we want to make a new Halloween, Jason Blum said, I want that. I'm taking that franchise. Let's do it. I have a lot of problems with what they did with the Halloween trilogy, but especially with the first film, which was great. We mm-hmm. praised that film left, right, and center. Boom. Do it. Talked about the Conjuring universe with James Wan. He has created a sprawling Marvel-like universe in Conjuring. I don't love The Nun. I didn't particularly like The Nun too either. But the fact that we're getting these films is huge. So that's why I give them the MVP because these guys now together are going to give even more horror creators the chance to make their own Night Swim. More is better. And, um, you know, the, people complain about the big studio movies all the time now. Well, you know what the real problem with studios these days, aside from streaming, which is causing a, a huge problem, is that studios used to take chances on small stuff. That's exactly what they did here with Night Swim. They go, OK, this is a, this is a small concept. Let's see. Let's see where it goes. You need to do more of that than like put all your eggs into one franchise or one basket or one piece of IP or two pieces of IP and or every piece of IP in the case of Disney. If you just keep trying and keep testing stuff out, you create 
good stuff. It's it, it, okay. Night Swim didn't knock it out of the park, Ray. Sorry, but it it's still a chance, and you want to keep giving more artists chances to do this. So you're right. Like more is going to be better, especially in the case of horror. We don't want it to get stagnant. We don't want it to get where it's just monopolized by a couple of filmmakers, a couple of artists. We want to keep seeing more turnaround. Yeah. And so that's why I say my MVP are these two guys, because they have vision, they have um, ideas and they're willing to take chances on a project like night swim, which again, on the surface is a really paper thin idea spinning off from a four minute short, but they saw something and they said, let's develop this. And even though I didn't love it, I'm glad it's out there in the world because we need more of this. And I'm hoping these two teaming up together in a merged company are going to create even more opportunities. And I know people will probably say, well, isn't it less? Cause now they're together. I think it's going to be more because I think they're going to continue to bounce off each other. And I think, Having that availability of expanding into other mediums like comic books, video games, television shows, you know, we may get a conjuring TV show that may not have that may not have happened if not for this merger. So, yeah, I think these two guys working together, they seem to have pretty good heads on their shoulders. You know, James Wan's created a really, really strong couple of universes, Insidious and Conjuring. And Jason Blum has really reinvigorated horror and really put a lot of money behind it uh, with all these different films that are coming out, again, from The Exorcist, which, again, not a film that you and I particularly enjoyed, but they took a chance with it. They, they took a franchise and took a shot at it. Same with Halloween. Same with Black Phone. So, yeah, continue to do that. More of this. Even though Night Swim didn't necessarily land for me. I'm willing to jump in the deep end and take another swim around the swimming pool. If we get more films like this in the future, we get more films of Bryce McGuire's guys who are not known filmmakers who get a chance to make a feature film. You don't realize how hard it is to get a feature film made. This guy made a short in 2014. It's 2024. It's 10 years later. He's just putting this out. Awesome. Yeah, that's how it is. Let's keep it going. Absolutely. Next category, Patrick, let's talk about best scare because this is a horror movie and there are so there are some pretty effective jump scares in this movie. Um, so for you, what was the best scare? This is I tracked a lot of scares, actually, you know, whether they scared me or not is irrelevant, but there were certainly a lot put in front of me. Um, my favorite had to go. I called it. That's not cider. Um, cider is the house cat. It's it's their cat that they have with them and the family. And of course, the cat goes missing at some point. And uh, I believe it's uh, little Elliot, right? That uh, that ends up hearing Cider's little bell on 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 Cider's uh, neck, and goes, "Oh, Cider must be out there by the pool again." The pool's drawing us in, and there's like a floaty in the pool, and he's reaching for it because it sounds like Cider's in there. And when he reaches up, that ain't Cider. <laughs> that was some crazy looking ghoul. And the, this is where I was sort of like, "Dang, I wish the movie would lean into this more." Like those ghouls are look, they're pretty freaky. And that was the freakiest looking one in in my book. I would have loved to have seen a lot more of that. Yeah, that was a pretty solid one. Again, in my head, I'm like, don't go near the pool. But he's a kid, so you know he's dumb. Kids are dumb. They do dumb yeah. things. That's why you don't let a kid, a kid go unattended to the pool. Uh, so, yeah, him leaning out and trying to save Cider, which we as soon as I saw Cider in this movie, I turned to my girlfriend. And I go, that cat is dead. This cat is not making it <laughs> yeah. through this movie. And sure enough, it goes missing. But, yeah, I was like, OK, you know, it was it was a good effect. Scare. I agree with you when they actually did show the ghouls, particularly that one. And when we see the one underwater with uh, Izzy, they're both pretty freaky looking, um, yeah. ghostly, like you said, ring looking almost. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that was pretty effective. So for me, my favorite scare 
and I say this all the time, the ones that I see coming that still work are some of my favorite scares. And the one that I saw coming in this film, but still worked effectively was when Elliot goes to the pool filter, when he hears a little girl calling out to him and she says, I've got your toy. He had this little action figure that he had in the pool with him. And it reminded me so much of it. You know, the yeah, great, very and, you know, there's, there's Pennywise saying, you know, your, you know, your, your boats down here, Georgie, come get it. And then, you know, rips off Georgie's arm. Very much like that where the boy's looking and he thinks he sees this little girl in this pool filter. And he's like, the hell? <laughs> and then it keeps kind of talking to him and he says, she's like, I got your toy. And he kind of reaches in and you're like, there's no way this is going to end well for this poor kid. But as, even in that, I still don't know exactly what's going to happen. I'm like, is the kid going to leap out at him? Is it going to suck him in and he's going to come out the other end in blood? Like, are they going to go full jaws in this thing? What's going on here? And ends up, it gra- like, this hair and this arm comes out and grabs him and pulls him, and he escapes and makes it and everything. But just that moment of when, like, the arm and the hair come out and grab him, it's a good jump scare. Yeah, very classic. Very, I very much knew where it was going to go, and uh, and it paid off. It, it was yeah. fun. It, was, it worked. It worked. Um, we're going to do best gore. Um, let's be honest. There's two gore scenes. There's not yeah. really much gore. So you'll do one. <laughs> I'll do the other. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, what's your what's your best score? I couldn't resist this one. Um, they set it up really well uh, in the chaos that ensues as as as, as the crescendo of this movie's happening. Uh, glass gets knocked over inside the house, and they make it a point, Damon, to show you a big old shard of that glass just sitting on the floor. And I was like, okay, how's it going to pay off? They didn't show it to me for no damn reason. They're going to pay it off. How does it pay off? I loved the payoff, uh, and that's when the daughter Izzy is running running from her dad, slips falls and her hand slams on top of the glass now this is a pg-13 movie they don't get too crazy with it i really just love the way she fell she kind of like like quickly is running slips and as her hand is coming down it slams on that glass i thought it was fun and effective and then you know she pulls it she pulls out the shard it's no um you're next where she pulls out like a, a meter's length of glass it's just a little bit of glass in her hand but i loved the way it was set up have you ever been stabbed by glass, you personally? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've been stabbed by glass a couple of times. It really sucks. It's really yeah. painful. So I'm not saying like I'm telling you to run out to get stabbed by a piece of glass, but it sucks. Uh, and that scene in particular, when they show her drawing the glass out, it's probably the most graphic moment of the film. Uh, but it is really well affected because I said the same thing. They're like, oh, because they kept showing the glass on the side of the on the side of the bar where in the kitchen. You're like, you know, that glass is going to fall off. It eventually falls off and they make a point of zooming in on the piece of glass. It's just the shard that's sticking up in the air. Somebody's getting stabbed with that glass. And as we always say, if you show me something, you better damn well use it. And sure enough, when poor Izzy comes running through and she falls, it goes hand first into that shard of glass. And boy, does it pay off. Well done. <laughs> the only other scene of gore that really happens in this movie, which is, again, not not totally unexpected, but works, is when Ray, when they first get the pool, they drain it. And they're cleaning it. They're all cleaning it as a family. And Ray is down at the bottom of the pool filter, like digging out like the drainage. And he's pulling out weeds and leaves and just gunk black. Looks almost like oil. 
and he keeps going deeper and deeper into this filter and eventually you just hear a you just hear like a like a slice and he comes out his hands gashed open with blood you don't really see what does it you know was it the evil water that just took a chunk out of him i don't know but uh whatever it was he comes out in his hands just gushing blood and uh going back to the whole glass have you ever been stabbed by a piece of glass have you ever been cut on the inside of your hand it really sucks um so that was the only other gore so i guess i'll give that best score although truth be told yours is the actual best score because that was the best use of blood in this movie but it was not bad because you know what really got me about that cut is that that filthy brackish water like you're just like oh that's an infection waiting to happen yeah that's disgusting like that's sepsis if we don't take care of that quickly <laughs> yeah this is really gross water right now you do not want to you do not want to have your hand cut around that because there's no. a good chance it's going to get amputated like this is not good so uh yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about remake sequel or leave it alone. That is the category where we take the movie we're looking at and this is a brand new movie. So this is a perfect category for this. Where we basically say, should we remake this? Should they sequelize it or should they just leave it alone? So Patrick for you for night swim, are you looking for a sequel? You looking for a remake? Or are you looking for it to just be left alone? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little torn, um, but I'm going to go with remake. And I think, because I think this movie almost had it. And the two big things that would change in the remake is one, make it rated R so you can really make those ghouls nasty and two, really just focus on the dad or one of the family members, whoever that family member may be. And however you want to do that, put a deep focus on that person and let the let the movie play out around them. Let let them devolve into madness. And I think I think you have this premise somehow, you know, uh, the way it's the way it's designed right now, it's just there's not enough of any one of them to have any massive effect. So my first instinct was kind of like that and saying sequel, just do it in a slightly different way, um, different family, and then just kind of do what we're talking about. But ultimately I'm going to say, leave it alone because you've already introduced the mythology and you've gone against what I wanted or what I thought was happening with this film. It's not infecting you and you're going to get better and then worse, which I thought was the direction they were going with Ray yeah. When they didn't go that way and it became the fountain of youth and then one person gets sacrificed. It was just a weird mythology. So I say leave it alone because unless you're going to revamp this and totally change the mythology, and I guess that would be the remake, I suppose, where yeah. you just kind of redo it and just kind of change what it means. I don't really want this same version again because that one little wrinkle of mythology that you added in there, that the, the, the spring water wants you to sacrifice one person who save another. It's just a weird twist that didn't need to be in there. And so I'm going to say leave it alone because that little bit of mythology didn't make sense. And I don't want to reintroduce that in the world again. There's things to like about this movie, but that particular plot twist just didn't make sense didn't need to be there and it really didn't jive with what was happening throughout the rest of the film especially where ray was concerned where it looked like ray was getting healthy he was getting better his ms was getting better and i think again the other direction of him just deteriorating away that it was going to eventually eat away at him would have been a better thing than oh yeah well we're going to make ray better but we're just going to kill your son instead like it was just a weird way to use it so i'm going to say leave it alone because if you're going to keep that mythology i don't really want to see it again <laughs> yeah I, yeah the mythology needs to go i, I didn't mention that in my re- remake but the mythology is definitely going to have to change yeah so next category patrick which has become a favorite amongst uh, us and our fans 
Can we survive this horror film? And this is the category where you and I place ourselves into whatever horror film we are reviewing. In this particular case, it is the movie Night Swim. So, Patrick, I'll go first here. You know where I'm going. You can go ahead and start laughing right now. Am I going to survive <laughs> Night Swim? Absolutely. Why? Because I am not getting back in the fucking pool. As soon as I go in there and the hair grabs me, or I'm playing Marco Polo with my girlfriend and I see a ghoul at the bottom of the pool, or I get sucked down in the pool and it cuts me, I'm not going back in the pool anymore. That's it. Pool's getting drained and I'm moving out. So much like haunted house movies, I'm surviving because I'm not going to be there. Fuck this pool is what I'm saying. I ain't going nowhere near it. So will I survive this horror film? Absolutely. Because I do not need to swim that bad. There's a local YMCA down the street. I'll swim there. <laughs> I just want I just want you cannonballing in my pool. That's what I want. Um, Damon, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the exact opposite. I'm not surviving this horror film. One, because I'm the dad, and if we're going to have this pool, goddammit, you guys are going to use the damn pool because it's costing me money. I got to hire a pool guy. I got the electricity bills going up because I got the filter running. You're using the damn pool. Secondly, I'm not surviving because I'm not the best swimmer. I'm okay. I'm self-taught, which if you're a self-taught swimmer, you kind of suck at swimming, truth be told. So so once I get down into the deep, you know, they, they suck you into that next dimension. There's no way I'm coming back up. I'm not like uh, uh, like Eve, who was a Navy trained swimmer and all that good stuff. No, no, no. I'm going down in a in a, in a pile of flames simply because it's summer. Damn it. You get in that damn pool. And you leave me alone. You get out of my house like it's I'm 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 leaning all the way into the trouble that this pool can cause. Yeah. Also, were you not amazed at how good swimmers these kids were? Because they were like down at the bottom of the pool, diving for quarters and hanging out down at the bottom, sitting at the bottom of the pool. I was remarkably impressed by how good these swimmers were. These kids were as swimmers. Because I'm like you. I did actually. I actually took swimming lessons as a kid, so I do know how to swim. But I can't do that shit. I can't swim to the bottom <laughs> of the pool and just hang out and go for quarters. And no, I'm not doing that. These kids were like freaking underwater experts. I mean, I can swim like that, truth be told. But again, nobody taught me. I'm probably doing it all wrong, but I can certainly go to the bottom of the pool and sit there. Yeah, but they were just all about it. Though. They were like full of oh, like, yeah, Navy SEALs it. going down there. They were down there like swimming around, hanging out, like, you know, talking like they were just chilling at the bottom of the pool. And also <laughs> we're having a good old time. The other the other little bit of believability is I didn't time anything here, but boy, do these people know how to hold their breaths because holy yeah. shit, they were down there for like six. This was full on Navy SEAL training. They were down for like six minutes holding their breath. Oh, yeah. Eve Eve held her breath impossibly long. And how 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 the, the husband or the kid weren't brain dead from being down there for like 10 minutes is be completely beyond me. Also, can I can I point out one other plot device that really bugged me? So there's a nice little like the whole breathing underwater thing that I'm critiquing here. There's a scene where Eve dumb jumps in the pool to go save Elliot. Elliot's been sucked down by the pool monster and she drives down. She drops down to do it. Now she understands that she's got to go into the, uh, the, you know, the, uh, what, what's the, uh, what's the place in the, uh, in get out. What's the place where they go? Oh, the, the sunken uh, place, the yeah. sunken place. She has to go in the sunken place to go find her son. And so she ties off a, a, mm -hmm. a garden hose ties it off on top of the pool and then dives down with it. And you're thinking she's going to use it as like a guide to get back. But at one point she actually uses it to get air. Cause she actually is realizing I can't breathe for nine minutes underwater. 
she sucks air. You're like, whoa, that's a cool way to do it, right? Except when you realize that the cord was tied off at the top. There'd be no air off. coming through there. So you sucked air out of a out of a out of a out of a uh, out of a hose that would have no air in it. I was like, you just well, tie- it might have that. What's it called? It's called like a bellwether or something like that. Like there might there might be a bellwether effect where there is air in the in the hose it could happen and especially because it's tied off it could happen but, but i know what to, you mean it, you it struck to, me funny too you have to breathe it in and nothing she's sucking on the end that's closed off you can't get anything out of it <laughs> i think that uh, there's someone with way more technical expertise that could tell you if it's possible or not some myth buster out there and if it you was, know feel free to email us and explain to us how it would or definitely cannot work you tell me this. If you go snorkeling and the top of your snorkel is covered, tell me how well it fucking works is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, but that's a little snorkel. I mean, this was like, you know, this is like tw- 12 I, feet of hose. Again, I'm saying, though, it was a bad plot twist. Come on, be honest about that. It was tied off at the top. Like I thought she was using it, it as like a guide so she could get back from the sunken place. Yeah, that's what I thought. But then she starts breathing out of it. I'm like, hold on now. Isn't it tied up there at the top so you can't breathe anything out of this thing? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. That, it, was a, it bugged me. I was the same. I thought the same thing. I go, it's tied off. I go, but there might be like some air in there. <laughs> you're really making excuses for this movie. Be honest, Patty. You're not breathing out of that thing. I told, I'm telling you, it did bug me. But I am But I also, I don't have enough technical prowess to go, it can't happen. I go, I think uh, it can based on what I'm thinking of. But somebody yeah. out there might know better. But I tell didn't like what. it. I'll tell you that. Tell you what we'll do. You live in California. You're near the ocean. What I'm going to do is I'm going to come out there later this year. I'm going to bring a garden hose. I'm going to tie it at the end. I'm going to throw you in the ocean. You're going to go underwater for like five minutes. And at one point, I want you to suck through that garden hose and tell me if it works. I'm going to bet you're going to come to the surface and say it didn't work for shit. (laughs) Man, it didn't do shit. (laughs) I'm just telling you, I don't think it's going to work. I'm just saying not a not a science here, but I'm imagining it's probably not going to work too well. But again, (laughs) probably not. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, Last category is always Patrick. We always got to close out on this one, which is, is it scary? At the end of the day, Night Swim. Is it scary? Damon, this movie does have certainly uh, quite a few scares uh, that I tracked. Uh, It's got some cool ghouls. I wish that there was more of them. Um, and a little bit of dread, thanks to the sound design and the filmmaking aspects of this movie. But ultimately, it's not a very scary movie. And 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 it leaves you asking more questions about why. And I don't want that for myself. I don't want to be going, well, this isn't this doesn't jibe. This doesn't make sense. I don't want that for my movies. And that takes away from the experience. And I've, unfortunately, this movie does it one too many times to keep it from ever truly being scary. No, it's not really scary, and I think the biggest problem really boils down to it being a haunted pool because the water's not necessarily infected, so you're not getting that aspect of it, and the ghouls, as you said, when they show up, they are pretty creepy and they work, but they're very, very sparingly used in this movie, and the rest of it just doesn't, it's, again, you're in a pool, you're swimming around in water. It's not like they're swimming around in infected water and it's cabin fever and your skin starts peeling off. They're right. just in a pool. It's a dark pool at points. Now, is it going to be a little creepy to be in a dark pool at night? Sure. But it's not even like a haunted house where there's ghosts grabbing at you or, you know, there's some spirit living in the pool or, you know, whatever. It's just a pool. And so there's only so many directions you could go in terms of, of scare. So yeah, I mean, there's a couple of moments, but really it's not, this is, this is the kind of horror movie, a PG 13 horror movie that pops on 
Showtime or HBO at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night and you got done with work and you're just getting through some pizza and you're like, let's just pop this on because I can just kind of like watch it, but ignore it. That's kind of <laughs> what this movie is like. If it pops on again, I won't turn it off necessarily, but I'm certainly not going to run to go see it again. And it's not one of those movies that just makes me jump out of my seat every time I watch it. It's just a movie that's kind of there. And I know that sounds very condescending to this movie, but that's really what it boils down to. It is ultimately, at its core, a haunted pool movie. (laughs) And by the way, not to get into it, and I don't even need an answer here, Damon, the night portion of the title, Night Swim, doesn't even really come into play. Yeah, it I, I does think, for I like... Think the, it, I think it, the crescendo of the movie happens during the day. Yeah, the, it, it does. A lot of it happens during the day. And there are a couple... Yeah, the biggest like the biggest creepy moment of the Night Swim is with Izzy, and that's the what you see in the trailer. Yeah, that was the biggest night portion <laughs> of the swim. But yeah, I mean, anyway, listen, yes. At bottom line, Damon, not the scariest movie that we're going to see this year. Very tough to say, but I doubt it's going to make the top five or the honorable <laughs> mentions list. It's just a little too right down the middle. And that, you know, hey, it happens. But like we said before, I want to be clear about this. You see it. You tell us what you think. If you loved it, I want to hear it. I want to hear about how me and Damon are wrong. And we and we need to wear thongs and jump in the pool and and and, and apologize for how we feel about Night Swim. I want to hear that. I want you to go see it. I want you to support horror. I think that's super important for us. I got to say, you know, when we were talking about Thanksgiving last year, the Eli Roth movie that ended up being in my top five, I said watching Thanksgiving, I had the perfect title for the sequel, which was I know what you did last Thanksgiving, which I'm standing by that title for the sequel. I know what you did last Thanksgiving. So that very, I know what you did last summer vibe to that movie. It did. Now I already joked and said the sequel to this should be called night swimming, which is an REM song from the album automatic for the people, which is an incredible album, by the way, jokingly, but tell me if this wouldn't have been a better title for this movie, had it not, had it not conflicted with a movie with this same title, but be honest, would this not have been a better movie if it was called The Deadpool? <laughs> the Deadpool, yeah. I think Deadpool right away would have made this a completely different movie. <laughs> now, there's actually two movies. Not only is there the movie with Ryan Reynolds, there's actually the Dirty Harry sequel from back in the late 80s, early 90s. I think it's called The Deadpool. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, so there is there are two movies. called. So you could technically make this another movie, just call it The Deadpool. But wouldn't that have been a better title than Night Swim? Because really, Night Swim doesn't really play a part in this movie. It doesn't. Deadpool would be great. Now, it's very obvious why they chose not to go with the Deadpool. Yeah. But um, yeah, that would that would have instantly made this movie better in yeah. a in a really weird way. <laughs> yeah, either that or like pool party, maybe pool party, pool like, party, like, yeah. yeah, hot spring, yeah, I'm the just hot saying, spring like, massacre. <laughs> yeah, nobody dies in this movie either way, by the way. Just the dad goes disappears and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's just yeah. So maybe the Deadpool would have been a better idea. So that's where they went wrong. They they were a couple years too late. Ryan Reynolds got him got to it first. Um <laughs> yeah. There you go. Night Swim is available in theaters now. Go check it out. Uh obviously we are going to be back next week. We're still continuing on our Alien series, so we're gonna be digging into more of the films from the Alien franchise. And there are new films, new horror films coming out 
in the next couple of months. I know we've got Lisa Frankenstein coming out in February. I'm really excited mm-hmm. about that. Diablo Cody wrote that one. Saw the new trailer tonight when I saw Night Swim, so I'm actually pretty excited about that one. That's a horror comedy. Diablo Cody, of course, wrote... Um, um, why am I blanking on the Jennifer's name? Body? Jennifer's Body, which is incredible. We reviewed that last year. Uh, so we're going to review that. That's coming up March. We've got uh, Imaginary, another Blumhouse film that's coming out. So we do have a lot. We do have some new horror coming out in the near future. So stay tuned for that. Uh, as I said, Night Swim available now. Remember, if you do have movies you'd like us to review, something that's out there that we haven't seen or haven't talked about, feel free to send us an email. Feel free to send us a message on social media. If you want to send us an email, you can find us at rotlivingdead at gmail.com. That's rot livingdead at gmail.com and if you want to find us on social media or just follow along we post clips from the show photos uh, all kinds of stuff follow us on uh twitter instagram and facebook just search rewind of the living dead you'll find us over there and if you actually want to search on tiktok uh i am damon of the dead over there and you are patrick of the living dead yeah so find us on tiktok we do post clips over there as well if you're on a tiktok Find us over on TikTok. Uh, we are over there as well. And you can also find us on our own individual social media channels uh, and obviously find the podcast and all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, and my website, Nerdcore Movement. Of course, also on our YouTube channel. Go subscribe. Still building that YouTube channel out. Please, if you're a YouTube Please. person, go subscribe. And as I said, if you want to find us on our own social media channels, you can find me at Damon Martin, and you are? At Director Patrick. And a big thank you as always for everyone that tunes into the show. We'll be back next week with another edition of Rewind of the Living Dead. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. Peace.